Amen. Thank you. Go ahead and be seated as we come again to Luke and the account that sounds really good when Linus reads it in a Charlie Brown Christmas, but I'll do my best. It is a delightful account, uh, one that, uh, that stirs up all the affections, even as we hear it, and again, to consider the truth that is read right here. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. As we picture this, we picture again the nativity scene. And do that for a moment. Picture the nativity scene perhaps you have sitting on a mantle somewhere, uh, somewhere in your house. Or go back to the days of... Uh, Christmas pageants, perhaps ones that you've seen your kids or your grandkids in, or maybe you have a good enough memory, you can yourself remember being one of the characters in the Christmas pageant. Hold that picture a moment, and you picture people who are the major characters, Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, the angels, the wise men, who are not actually at the nativity scene, but there they are anyway. All the major characters are minor to the central figure of Jesus Christ. Well, during this Advent season here at Westminster, we've been looking at the minor characters of Christmas, who we read about in these opening two chapters of Luke, who don't get much press. They don't appear in the pageants and nativity sets. Zechariah, Elizabeth, John the Baptist, Simeon, and Anna. All of the characters of Christmas, major or minor, point away from themselves and point toward Christ.
Christ. In that way, they and we are all called to be minor characters, not looking to make a name for ourselves, but to exalt the name that is above all names, Jesus. In fact, in the account in Luke 2, there's a couple of verses that speak about us. They say what it is we are to do as minor characters, to be the celebrators of Christmas. How are we to celebrate Christmas? We know that Jesus was not likely born on December 25th, but this is the day that Christians and non-Christians alike celebrate Christmas, and so it's as good a day as any. And there are many ways in which people celebrate, everything from watching football games to decorating houses to uh, visiting with relatives and friends and buying and giving presents. And regardless of how it is that the world in general celebrates, are there any particular ways that Scripture tells Christians to celebrate Christmas? The answer is yes. And it's right there in Luke chapter 2, verses 17 through 20. Listen to those verses again. When they had seen Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. In those four verses, we have four ways of celebrating Christmas. Tell others about it. Wonder at the event itself. Ponder its meaning. And glorify God for what has been done. First, tell others about it. The shepherds spread the word concerning what had been told them. They aren't the only ones. All of the major and minor characters of Christmas spread the word concerning what had been told them. It's what we've been reading. Zechariah, who had actually lost the ability to speak, was still able to spread the word of what had been told him. An angel revealing that his wife would give birth to one who would come in the spirit and power of the prophet Elijah and make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And then his wife, Elizabeth, spread the word about what had been told to her, that the Lord has shown favor, and that this child would indeed announce the coming of the Lord. And then we have Joseph, spread the word about the angel who revealed to him that his betrothed would give birth to a son to be named Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. And he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. And Mary spread the word about the angel, telling her that she would conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit and give birth to a son who will be rightly called the Son of the Most High and who will be given the throne of David to rule forever and ever. The Magi spread the word, would have been told them that a cosmic event, a star in the east, led them to one born in fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, who was the Christ, the long-awaited Messiah, the King of the Jews, fulfilling the offices of prophet, priest, and king, hence the three gifts of myrrh, incense, and gold. And then we have Simeon and Anna that we read about later in Luke 2, two very minor characters who spread the word, which would have been told them that this child was the Lord's Christ, the consolation of Israel, the redeemer of God's people. And then we have the shepherds. The shepherds of all people 
who spread the word that had been told them that while they were keeping watch over their flock at night, that a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. All who had received good news, all those who had good news revealed to them spread the word of what had been told to them. And is that not the case? When we hear good news, we want to tell others about it. Get new, new good news about a new job or uh, when someone in our family gives birth, when someone in our family gets engaged or married, when someone gets a promotion, when something good happens, we want to share the good news with others. Unfortunately, in our world, too often, people seem to be more interested in sharing bad news. Got the internet trolls, right? All kinds of gossip and attacks, along with the blame and complain game. And we mourn the fact that so often it seems that all we hear about is bad news. People desperately want to hear and need to hear good news. And so the first way for Christians to celebrate Christmas is to share the good news that a Savior has been born, who is the Redeemer, the fulfillment of God's messianic promises, the great high priest, the final prophet, and the eternal king of kings. Spread the word that the hope, joy, peace, and love for all the world has been born, and his name is Jesus. Spread the word that God, who created us perfectly to glorify and enjoy him, that that creation that had been marred by sin, that had affected every aspect of creation glorifying and enjoying him, that God was pleased not to have us remain in a condition of sin and misery, but that he sent his own son, that he sent Jesus, the Savior and Lord, Christ the King, the Redeemer, to live the perfect life that we fail to live, so that by his life, death, and resurrection, he might take the punishment for our sins, and give us the credit for his perfect righteousness that we might find forgiveness, abundant life, and eternal life in him. And so if we respond to this good news and receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, then we can glorify and enjoy God as he created us and has recreated us to do. And so we celebrate by telling others of the good news. Secondly, we celebrate Christmas by wondering at the event itself. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. When was the last time you were amazed at something? We sometimes experience temporary amazement, temporary fascination, maybe with something new or something unusual. But within a short period of time, the wonder runs its course and we move on. But when was the last time you were truly amazed? A holy amazement, wondering at a permanent, life-changing act of God beyond human comprehension. I'm currently rereading Neil Postman's excellent book, Amusing Ourselves to Death. What he wrote in 1985 is just as relevant more than 30 years later. The age of entertainment has resulted in everything from news to politics to religion being reduced to show business. We now expect to be entertained all the time. We pull out an electronic device when there's even a few seconds of silence to check social media or watch a video. Everything is reduced to entertaining sound bites, and we've lost our ability to simply sit still in silence and be truly amazed. 
we can be amazed by simply going outside and observing creation, recalling that at one time there was nothing. And then God spoke and called forth into existence all of life and order and all that is. Creation in its vastness and at the microscopic level are truly amazing. And if we're quiet enough, we hear all of creation praise the Lord. And then we can consider that the God of the universe came to earth. The divine put on flesh and dwelt among us. Christmas, the celebration of the incarnation of God, the omnipotent, omniscient, infinite, eternal God came to us born as a baby. God in a bod, God in a human body. Many of the presents that we give and receive this Christmas will feed our entertainment desires and tickle our temporary fancy. Take time to celebrate Christmas by turning off devices and be truly amazed at Emmanuel, God with us. And then third, celebrate Christmas by pondering its meaning. Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her hearts. And I mentioned it this morning that the overdone song asks Mary, did you know? And the answer is, yes, Mary did know. Anna told her, Simeon told her, Elizabeth told her, Zachariah told her, the angel Gabriel told her, the Magi told her, and here the shepherds told her as well. And she treasured up all these things that had been told to her, and she pondered them in their heart. The word that's translated ponder literally means to throw together or to bring together. Pondering is throwing together or bringing together thoughts and words, to consider them, to discuss them, to think deeply about them. It's, of course, connected to amazement, but goes the next step of taking not only the time, but then also the effort to think about what God has revealed, to try to understand the ways of God more fully. It seems that many readily disregard the promises and proclamations of God because it takes time and effort truly to ponder these things. And what we see with Mary are actually three things here involving her memory, her intellect, and her affections. To say that she treasured these things means that she kept them, that she preserved them in her memory. In fact, in our Sunday school class this morning, we were talking a bit about memory, that before the days of electronics and even before the days of the printing press, in order to learn God's word, you memorized. You couldn't just take the Bible home or pull it off the shelf. What you knew of God's word was what had been perhaps proclaimed aloud, and you had memorized as many portions as possible. In order to meditate on something, it must first be memorized. And so Mary treasured these things. They were locked into her memory forever. And then she pondered them with her intellect. She didn't just memorize it in order to spit it out on a test, right, like we did for all those exams, right? Memorize and spit it out and then you forget it. No, she put it into her memory, thought about it, and considered it and went beneath the surface to think long and hard in order to understand. 
And then, thirdly, she pondered it in her heart, her whole self affected. When our love for the Lord grows cold, we don't need a quick shot of emotional manipulation to get the feels. What we need is to ponder deeply the word of God. And so finally, celebrate Christmas by glorifying God. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The word uh, glorify comes from the Greek word doxa, D-O-X-A, which originally meant to have an opinion. And then it came to mean to have a good opinion, and by extension, having a good opinion of another was to ascribe value, to ascribe worth to another. And so our words orthodox, heterodox, and paradox come from this, and they mean in turn a right opinion, a wrong opinion, and a contradictory opinion. When you acknowledge another's true worth, you are expressing a good opinion of them. You are glorifying them. And so to glorify God is to ascribe his worth. It is to acknowledge God's worthship. And so to glorify God is to worship him for who he truly is. Such that a doxology is expressing this right opinion of God with words. And that's what the shepherds did. They heard God from his messenger angels. They saw God as the infant Jesus in the manger. And they glorified God with words in response. And so rightly understanding who God truly is, as he has truly revealed himself by his word, is imperative to glorifying him. To celebrate, celebrate Christmas this time of year and throughout the year by taking time frequently to be amazed at the incarnation of the Christ. And then ponder the truth of the incarnation deeply. Understand rightly what this reveals about the one true God. And you will find yourself glorifying God and desiring to tell others the good news of the truth who set us free. Amen.